Today I want to talk to you about revival in the church. When I was a student pastor at Union Plains United Methodist Church, just a couple miles north of Mount Orb, Ohio, there in Brown County, that small little country church would sing an old-time hymn called Revive Us Again. And it goes like this, Revive us again, fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. And that small little country church, they would sing that hymn with fervor because they believed it. And it would set their pastor's heart on fire. What is revival? Revival is a spiritual awakening that draws people out of sin and spiritual stagnation and turns their attention powerfully on God. It's not just a feeling, although it involves feelings. It's not just a miracle, although it involves miracles. It's not a sermon or a song, although it involves those things. Revival can't be put in a neat little box. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in a group of people leading to powerful change. How many of you believe that we need God to revive us right now? Right now. To turn our attention to God. To bring healing and hope to our nation. To do signs and wonders in our midst. If you don't believe that, I'd say that you aren't paying much attention to the world around you because we know, we all know that that world is a very messed up place. Sin is pretty rampant. It's difficult to listen to the news. I believe that we need revival. Our Holy Ghost stories, sermon series, last week Pastor John told us the incredible story about how the Holy Spirit filled the believers on the day of Pentecost. And when Jesus had ascended into heaven and the believers were waiting on him to send the advocate, as, they, as he called, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, as he promised. And if Jesus didn't do this, there would be no church today. I want to tell you how God brought revival in the book of Acts. Acts is filled with powerful Holy Ghost stories. And on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles and they came pouring out into the streets filled with the Holy Spirit. They were given the ability to witness to people in other languages. And present upon their heads was tongues of fire, symbolizing fire from heaven, the power of God. Incredible miracles and it started a massive revival among the Jewish people who had come to know that Jesus is the Messiah, the promised Messiah. The same things we saw at Pentecost continued to reoccur in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit empowered those believers to act and to do miracles, to see people in actions and to respond by repenting of their sins and saying yes to Jesus Christ. Peter stands up on that day and he preaches the paint off the walls. He, he preaches that they, they 
killed Jesus, the promised Messiah. He died, but they, he rose from the dead on the third day. And the people, they were cut to the heart. They saw their sin. And they cried out, what should we do? And then he gives them the remedy. In Acts 2, 38 through 39, Peter replied, repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. And they did just that. And folks, 3,000 people came to the Lord that day. If that's not a start of the revival, I don't know what is. And they began to do some radical stuff. They, be, they continued to meet in the temple because they were Jews and they knew that their life, lives have changed. And they begin, began to meet every day in their own houses. And it was a house church movement. And it wasn't about the buildings or a professional staff ministering to them. It was about Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And the church became a baby at this time. The people were so generous too. They were giving to the poor because they wouldn't tolerate need in their midst. And the church was now a place where God's people could experience generosity and His healing presence. And it was a place where earth and heaven met. And you could see in Acts, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that prayer became true that Jesus prayed. Then in Acts 3, you begin seeing the apostles doing other incredible signs and wonders through the power and ministry of the Holy Spirit. They healed. They began to heal just as Jesus healed. For example, there was this 40-year-old guy who had been crippled his whole life so that the only thing he could do to make ends meet was to beg outside the temple. So it was just another day at the office for this dude but Peter and John came up to him, and he asked for some alms. Peter looked at him, and he said this, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the hand, he helped him up. And instantly, this man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet. He began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is incredible to see these miracles. And here's a question. Did this, did this man have faith to believe that he could be healed? Well, the scriptures don't indicate that. No. He was just asking for money. Forty solid years of being unable to walk. He had probably given up decades ago. But God healed him. And it was a miracle. Right on the spot. And this healing got some attention. Why did God do it? I wonder that. I believe that this man was healed to demonstrate God's power. And God wanted to begin to save people. God wanted people to experience wholeness in power. 
And also, it was an unleashing of the name of Jesus, that there is power in that name. And the Bible tells us that he was still holding on to Peter and John, hugging them. And the people came running to see what happened. And everyone knew this guy. They passed by him for years. But once again, Peter starts preaching. And guess what the message was? There's this guy named Jesus. And here's what you need to do about it. Look at Acts 3, 19 through 20. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who's been appointed for you, even Jesus. Once again, crippled man, miracle, God's word proclaimed, massive repentance. By the end of this, there were 5,000 men in the church plus women and children. Do you see this revival, this re refreshing? You see, repentance always precedes revival, my friends. Look at how these things spun out, healing in the name of Jesus, and then Peter proclaiming that everyone should repent, and the promise of sin being wiped away, and the promise of refreshment. I don't know about you, but when I believe and know that my sins are forgiven, especially when I come to this table of Holy Communion, there's always refreshment. It's like taking a, a shower with Irish Spring for me, for my soul. <laughs> refreshment coming from my sins being wiped out. And I don't know about you, I feel free. And it's good in that cleansing power of what we believe as Christians that happens through the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, my friends, repentance and revival are beautiful. When somebody tells you, or you hear it proclaimed from the pulpit, repent, don't see it as a negative thing. See it as a way of coming back to God. With repentance and revival, think about it. Communities can be transformed. Individual lives can be transformed and healed. Trajectory of families and legacies can be transformed. Think for a moment when repentance of sin happens in a life, it has a ripple effect on the lives around that person that has repented. That transformation leads that person into righteous living and new character. You know, I heard a story uh, about the American Red Cross. They were gathering supplies and medicine and food and clothing uh, for suffering people in a country in Africa. Inside one of the big boxes that showed up at the collecting depot one day was a letter in that box. It said this, We have recently repented of our sin. We have been converted. And because of our conversion, we want to try to help. We won't never we won't ever need these again. Can you use them for something? Inside the box were several Ku Klux Klan sheets, uniforms. And they eventually used those uniforms. They cut them into strips and used them to bandage up wounds of the people in Africa. It could hardly be more dramatic. Think about it. Symbols of hatred to bandages of love. Why? Because repentance and people becoming new creations in Jesus Christ. 
And it began with repentance. You see, with repentance can come refreshment and revival, my friends. And it is beautiful. I went to Asbury Theological Seminary in the mid-90s. And I would hear my professors talk all the time. They would reminisce about 1970 at Asbury College at the time. My professors would tell me about the revival that transformed their lives and the lives of their students. They said you could see the glory of the Lord come rolling down the steps at the chapel at the Asbury College Auditorium during that revival. This is a Holy Ghost story that I want to tell you about, and it's near and dear to my heart. Listen to these testimonies. It says, the program for February 3rd, 1970, in the chapel that morning did not follow its customary worship pattern. The dean of the college, who was the scheduled speaker, did not feel impressed to preach. Instead, he felt led to have the students participate in a testimony meeting. This practice is not strange to Asbury College, where the students are encouraged to give voice to their inner faith. But for some time, the small group of students had been involved in a very rigorous devotional discipline. They were getting up a half hour earlier each day for prayer. The dean that morning on February 3rd began opening up the testimony testimonies for the students. And he even shared his own experience with God. And then he invited others to do the same. Quickly, a number of students arose in the various areas of the sanctuary. Their testimonies were fervent and reflected deep heart-searching. Clichés were totally absent. Each person seemed intent upon sharing an up-to-date report on what God was doing in his or her life. One senior at the college shocked the audience by confessing this. I'm not believing that I'm standing here telling you what God has done for me. I've wasted my time in college up to now. But Christ has met me, and I'm different. Last night, the Holy Spirit flooded in and filled my life. And now, for the first time ever, I'm excited about being a Christian. I wouldn't want to go back to the emptiness of yesterday for anything. And others began to follow, testifying. Everyone sensed that something unusual was happening, and God seemed very near. Sensing a mandate from the moment, one of the professors slipped up to the platform and expressed his feeling that any students who wanted prayer should come up to the altar. The altar became flooded with people. They began to sing, just as I am. There was not room for everyone. People started kneeling in the pews in the auditorium behind the altar or in front of the altar. Their prayers were mingled with heartfelt contri contrition and outbursts of joy. It was evident that God was moved, and God was moving in power among his people. The, the presence of the Lord was so real that all other interests seemed unimportant. The bell sounded for classes to begin, but went unheeded. At the first time of the invitation prayer, there were still some number of students ready, standing to testify, taking the microphone. Those who had come to the altar after a time of prayer rose and joined those on the platform with tears. They made confessions. These confessions ranged from cheating to theft to having animosity, prejudice, jealousy. Some made their way to individuals in the congregation to ask for forgiveness and to make restitution. 
old enmities were melted with a fervent love of God. Frequently, these encounters of reconciliation resulted in experiences of joy and gladness. Some shook hands, others embraced, often having to a uh, often obtaining a new relationship or new fervor for God and students would raise their fingers in a symbol of peace but it was a V for victory this went on for 185 hours news spread to Lexington, Kentucky and then around the world people's lives were changed forever you see, my friends, refreshment, revival, is often born out of a desire for sins to be wiped away. Revival is often born out of a season of desperation. Revival is born out of a heart and soul felt prayer. There are birth pains that precede it. Weariness of sin and the sin of the world. You know, we desire, we all desire for something more that can only come from God. And I desire that too in my weariness of living in this world. We know about the pains of 2022. Doggone it, right in the, right in the beginning, there's surfaces of war in Ukraine. There's evil acts of aggression and violence. This global pandemic seems to be dragging on. There's rampant inflation. Political divisions are still there and, and they're anything but civil. And that's not to mention the individual pains that we feel. We see family systems break down and our teens struggling. God's word always points to refreshment and revival that can come when we authentically come to the Lord. And the most powerful verse about revival is 2 Chronicles 7.14. That says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. There's a big word that starts this scripture and it's the word if. If my people. God calls your name, my friends. God desires us to come in humility, being humble, praying like we've never prayed before, and seeking God's face, and turning from wickedness and sin, and repenting, and coming back to God with all of who you are. And here's the thing, God hears you. Let me say that again. God hears you. And God desires in the name of Jesus to forgive sin and make healing and refreshment happen. Church, this is for us. This is for me. Have you ever been more aware of your need for Jesus, for revival, for God to work in our lives? Do you desire that? You know, today we've, we've looked back at the revival of the past. Today, we have to turn our faces forward in the present for revival now. There's a video here by Eric Wilson, our contemporary worship leader, that talks about his desire to see revival in Cincinnati. Let's view this. 
when Ashley and I first came to Anderson Hills, it was because in the interview process, the Spirit of God stirred our hearts for this church, for the people here. There was a movement of God already happening, and we were able to just jump in and watch this church set on fire and worship, and it's just been amazing. Uh, but there was something surprising in that first year that happened that I didn't expect as much. And it was that we had a stirring for Anderson Hills, but at the same time, after we moved here, uh, there was a stirring in our hearts for the city of Cincinnati. This was something so much further, so beyond just a liking where we live. This was a burden in my soul. And I just remember I started to pray and he led me to places all over the city I'd never been and I was praying and he was stirring my heart for those areas. And then I started to meet people just like me who had the same burden on their hearts. And I started to meet them every week. It was crazy. Like I would run into people all the time that would say that they had the same experiences that I did, that would say that they've been praying for revival in Cincinnati for decades, that had just moved to Cincinnati because they felt a stirring of the Lord. I went to home gatherings where people from all sorts of different churches were coming and just pouring out their hearts for the Lord in a way I'd never seen before. Ministries were arising. We started a ministry called Burn 24 seven in Cincinnati. And the heart of that is just to see the kingdom come to Cincinnati. An atmosphere of worship would outburst. Since then, the Greater Cincinnati Prayer Canopy has come alive and people are praying 24 seven for the city. We've done events together, uh, one in particular where we mobilized people, over 200 people to pray and worship on all seven hills of Cincinnati at the same time. We did a park tour where we just chose seven different parks in Cincinnati where we were gonna go and just claim ground for the gospel. One time we were on Mount Adams and we were behind the old Rookwood restaurant and we were praying over the skyline and just claiming the city, just saying, Lord, come and dwell here. While there's been great division and um, comparison and competition and um, just arguments in our churches, at the same time, God is doing something special in our city. And I believe we're a part of it. I believe that our obedience and our yes as a church has been part of something much bigger than we even know. I believe the things that have been happening here in prayer and repentance and uh, breaking free and inner healing and Mount Washington at Salem and Sunday night, all of our program ministries, the Holy Spirit Conference, Thursday night dinners, Fresh Expressions, Embrace Grace, and all the other amazing ministries that are pushing forth the kingdom here in Cincinnati. And all of these things that we've been experiencing the amazing part about it is while it is unto Anderson Hills and our growth, it's really unto the kingdom of God in Cincinnati. We've been called to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ, not just in our walls, but in our city. He's called us to claim the ground of our city, to create a harvest for the lost to come back home in Cincinnati, for addictions to be broken, for, for worship to arise all over, for the truth of Jesus to be the thing that people hear the most in our city. And I believe he'll do it. If we humble ourselves, if we ask him, if we partner in something greater than just ourselves, the Lord could do an amazing thing. This is our lineage as Methodists. This is what happened to John Wesley. Something so far beyond him started to stir as he was just obedient to go on horseback and share the gospel. 
there was a harvest the world has never seen before. And I believe he wants to do it again. And I'm just asking you to pray for our city, to um, start to stir for it, to start to stir for a harvest, and to ask the Lord to come in a mighty way and do something so far beyond what we are able to do. And he's going to do it. I want to share with you uh, a word that John Ferguson was given through a handwritten note at the Holy Spirit conference from a person that saw a vision about Anderson Hills. John felt it was right, the right time to share it with you. This man saw wine being poured out from the heart of Christ, filling wineskins of prophetic people here. He saw these wineskins pouring out, forming a stream of wine flowing into a river which he believes represented the Cincinnati, city of Cincinnati. The wine turned into the blood of Jesus Christ, which filled the river where it was poured out, and then turned the river white with the purity and cleansing of Jesus. He said, I sense this community, this church, Anderson Hills, being a source of new anointing and outpouring of God's grace upon Cincinnati. This anointing has, has to be shared to give God glory and lead souls to Christ. Otherwise, the wine sitting unused will spoil. Wow, what a prophetic vision about this place. Tonight, I want to invite you to come for our night of repentance at our Salem campus at 6 p.m. And join us in beginning to humble ourselves before God and seeing what God does. Will you join me in prayer? Dear Lord, we pray that you would fill our hearts and our minds and our souls with your cleansing of your body and blood as we come to this communion table. Prepare our lives through the enrichment of this liturgy and through receiving this, these symbols of our faith in the sacrament. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.